relationships are some of the most cherished and important, but they can also be the most challenging and painful. Let's learn together what the Bible says about the relationships that matter most and discover practical wisdom for a fulfilling family life. Well, good morning, Vintage Church. How are y'all doing this morning? It's so good to be with you this morning. Uh, if we haven't met yet, my name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors here. I actually, my, my full-time job on staff here is to help us launch our school that we're starting here in the fall. So if you see me around, that's who I am. Feel free to come up, shake my hand. I'd love to actually meet you in the guest suite after service. So uh, if we haven't gotten a chance to connect yet, I would love to come uh, and get to do that like I said, after service and, uh, you know, get to know you, especially if you're new here, do everything that Pastor Josh said just a second ago. We really want to invite you in, welcome you and try and help you get connected. And this week we are on week three of our series, Dream House. And doesn't that just sound good? A dream house. I mean, when I think of dream house, it's like, I just love that nice white picket fence maybe another thousand square feet, you know, and just kind of have my dream of what it would be like if I was just going to build it myself and put it where I wanted it. But how many of you know that it doesn't matter how big that house is or how many cars are in it or how white that fence is, if all the relationships inside are in turmoil, if all that there is when you walk in the doors is tension and the house doesn't really matter that much doesn't matter because there's no amount of paint that can cover up broken relationships at home. And that's what we're actually going to talk about this morning is how to win at home. The big idea for this series is that God actually wants us to win at home and he shows us how in the Bible. That's how God works, right? Anytime God calls you to do something, he's going to use scripture to show you how to do it. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to get a, a step-by-step for each and every situation, right? A lot of us would love that, right? We'd love to just say, all right, God, it's Sunday morning, April 30th, 2023. What's my to-do list today, right? But that's not how God works. What does God does do is he gives us principles in the Bible to teach us how to live out all the circumstances that we encounter. The Bible said there's nothing new under the sun. So everything we're going through, somebody else has gone through before us, And you know what? All that tension in your house, or maybe those wonderful relationships in your house, whichever you're in right now, all those situations that you're going to come up against, God has something to say about that in the Bible, and that's the good news. The good news is that God has something to say, and we're going to talk about it here this morning. The last few weeks, we've spent a lot of time talking about the marriage relationship, but this morning, I want to expand that out to talk not just about the marriage relationship, but also all of the relationships we have in the family, right? I want to expand us out to talk about your relationship with your children and your relationship with even your siblings or your parents. Ooh. Yeah, that one's hard. We, we talk about that one because God has something to say about how we should honor our parents. We'll get to that in a second. And there's no end date on that. And it doesn't matter that I'm all grown up now, mom. You can't tell me what to do. A lot of us approach our relationships with our parents that way. I'm 18, mom. I can walk away. Look, dad, you can't tell me what to do anymore. And you know what? 
you don't have to obey everything that your parents say to do, but you still have to honor the position that God has put them in in your life. We're going to talk about that. So everything we talk about is going to apply this morning is going to apply to all of those family relationships that can cause us so much tension because when you walk in your house, it shouldn't just be, okay, I'm ready for whatever's going to go on in here today. It should be you walk in and it's a huge blessing. Everybody knows that we want more peace at home. We know this intuitively. I read a study uh, a couple of years ago. It, it came out in a, a, a magazine called Mass Communications and Society. And it talked about how as Americans and in the West in general, we've started to look to other things for our picture of what family should look like. And by other things, I mean television, our screens, maybe TikTok and Instagram to tell us what a healthy family relationship should look like. Because, you know, if you see a photo of a family sitting on the beach for their vacation and it just looks perfect, that actually means that it's like that all the time. It's on Instagram. Instagram wouldn't lie to you, would it? Wouldn't paint a false picture, only show people at their very best. That can't be true. And they wouldn't show these weird dysfunctional families and shows always having a good time if that isn't actually how it is, right? They wouldn't do that to you, right? Maybe. Live your life and find out. <laughs> this study also found that the more people did this, the more that we used television to describe and inform how we thought families should operate, it was directly linked to the disintegration of family values in that person. In fact, I actually remember doing this myself. I remember when I was in high school, I got really into sitcoms. Uh, any sitcom fans in here? Yes. Shows that are funny because you're tired and you just don't want to have to think about the same cop show, like 90 different versions. You know, you don't want to have to think about it. You just kind of want to watch something funny. So I got really into sitcoms for a while. And uh, I remember actively thinking, I was a lot younger at the time. I remember actively thinking that, oh my gosh, I'm desiring to be like this dysfunctional group of people because I'm letting it influence me. I'm, I'm breathing it in. I'm starting to think that this is how an actual family should operate. Uh, don't do that. Just don't do it. There's, there's a reason we do it. I think the reason that we do it is that we're desperate for the blessings that come when you have a healthy relationship, right? We're, we're actually desperate uh, to know how the family is supposed to work because all of us have the tension. I, I promise, if I were to ask right now, hey, who's ever had family tension in their life? Everybody in this room would raise their hand. And if you wouldn't, then you're just a liar. <laughs> Nothing else to it. <laughs> Every single person in this room, me included, yes, pastor, I have had and still have to deal with tension in some of my relationships. We're desperate to know what they're like because they can be either the greatest source of blessing or pain in our life. If all our relationships are suffering, we are suffering, right? When you walk out the door, if you know that you shouldn't have said that to your wife, it's going to eat at you the rest of the day. And if it doesn't, we have actually bigger problems, <laughs> right? We know that if you get up with your wife in the morning and you have family breakfast or whatever it is that you guys do, and it's just a really wonderful time where you get to connect with your spouse, connect with your kids. Man, doesn't that change your day? 
We all want that. We all want to win at home. And God wants us to win at home. But I'll tell you something else. As we've started to turn to those shows and and, uh, screens to inform us about what our relationships should look like, we've noticed a huge shift in our culture over the past 50, 60, 70 years, right? We've gone from a culture that has a great deal of honor for the family unit to one that has dishonor. We're going to talk about that in a second. Who remembers the Andy Griffith show? Anybody in here? Anybody? Yeah. All right. Tons of hands. So my mom was a lot smarter than I gave her credit for at the age of eight, right? And uh, funny story. And when I was a kid, uh, my mom had us watch all of the old shows from her childhood. Because the Andy Griffith show is, is a great example. It's a show. It ran in the 1960s, right? And it's about a dad and a son, right? That's the core of what the show is about. It's about a dad teaching his son how to find his place in the world and showing him how to live. And he gives him actually good advice. When was the last time you turned on your TV and you said, wow, that's great advice. That is fantastic. When was the last time you turned on your TV and instead of just this like, you know, super strong, five foot two superhero female lead character, you saw a strong man that was leading his family well at home in a godly manner. We see a lot of one and not a lot of the other. Why? Why does that keep getting turned on its head? I think we kind of know that this has happened in our culture because everybody here has started to experience it not just in one or two shows, but in pretty much every show. There's always our culture paying honor to something that is not godly. So instead of having in every show a father teaching his son about his place in the world, as fathers should do, that is your place as a father, is to train your children. Instead, we see the culture start to pay homage to what the culture says is good, right? So that's why on Disney Plus, you get the gay dinosaur dads. It's true, because the culture has lost its honor for what God says is good, which, by the way, what God says is good is the man, woman, child, family unit. That is it. That's the one. That is it. There's no other substitute. There's no other way. There's nothing else that God says your family should look like other than you're a man and you're married to a woman and there's a child. That is the structure upon which God has built society and he chooses to build his kingdom. That's it. Some of you are looking at me like you thought it was going to be easy because Pastor Stephen was gone this week. (laughs) Thought we were going to tone it down a little bit this morning. That means you just need to meet me in guest suite after service. Learn what I'm really like. But then today, why? Why have, we, why have we gone so rapidly? In less than 100 years, our culture has gone from a culture that really did value uh, Christian things. Even if people's hearts weren't always towards God, we had a culture that respected God and his principles. What happened? What did we lose? The truth is, I think at the core of it is that we lost our sense of honor for who God is and for the truth that he gives us in the Bible. We've lost it. We talked a little bit last week, we talked about this shift that happens among the generations. I want to bring you back to that. The nation of Israel gives us this principle, which by the way, principles are uh, what you're supposed to pull out of the Bible. 
So you see in, in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel uh, comes out of Egypt and they know God. The generation that saw the Red Sea part and they saw manna come down from heaven, they knew God. And then the next generation knew of God. But they didn't know God. They honored him with their lips, but their hearts were far from him. And then the generation after that, they knew not God. And I promise you, if you don't know God, you don't honor him as first in your heart, you will honor something else in his place. That's what's happened to our culture. Our culture has taken out God from the highest throne and we've put something else there. In fact, we've put things there that are outright wicked. We have completely inverted what God has said his image is supposed to be for us. We've started honoring things in our culture that are just complete and outright lies. We've said that a man can be a woman. And what even does that mean? How could you be a woman? Because if anybody can be a woman, what is a woman? And it gets really confusing, but our culture takes these things and they said, okay, this is what we choose to honor. We're going to pay homage to it. We're going to put it in every show, in every movie, every kid's show, because this is what we honor. And we're going to get rid of those husbands that lead their families and those wives that respect their husbands. And we're going to put in Bart Simpson, bumbling idiot dad. That's what we're going to honor. We are called to prevent the cycle from happening that we see with Israel, right? And that's why it's there. That's the principle, is that this is what happens, is the first generation, second generation, third generation. If you read that and you're like, wow, those Israelites, idiots. (laughs) That's not the point. The point is you're the idiot. The point is you are like them and you can make the same mistakes that they made. So don't make them. They are an example for you and for me so that when we read it, we can say, okay, I need to do more. I need to train my children about who God is. I need to instill in my children a fear of the Lord and honor for who he is. Now, the good news is for us is that dishonor is actually not anything new. This is something uh, that we have seen before in scripture, and it's meant to inform us on how to deal with it now. So the good news always is that the Bible has something to say about the current times that we live in. It has something to say, and that is great news because the Bible is the living, inspired word of God, and it's meant for you to be able to take it, apply its principles to your life, and go out and deal with your family relationships in the house, understand the culture that is waging a war on that family at home. That is what the Bible is intended to do. Mark 6, verse 1 and 2 says, He left there and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished. Where did this man get these things? They said, where, what is this wisdom that has been given to him? And how are these miracles performed by his hands? Now, this is a good start, right? Because what these people are saying is, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Do you see what Jesus is doing? That's incredible. It's really something. How can he do this? But then something shifts. Verse three, isn't this the carpenter, son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And aren't his sisters here with us? 
So they were offended by him. Oh, man, our culture is really good at being offended. We're like first place, all cultures, all time, world champs at being offended in America. Like number one spot, nobody can touch us, right? Like everything you do and say is offensive to somebody and you got to protect everything that they say and feel. You can't give them the truth because you might hurt their feelings. That's not what the word of God says. The word of God says it's living and active and it's meant to penetrate you. It's supposed to make you uncomfortable so that you can grow. But what these people were saying was I'm offended by that. I'm offended by the idea that this guy, Jesus, he's a carpenter. I've seen him build kitchen tables with his dad. He, he can't, look, he might have made the blind see, but their attitude, the posture of their heart, they started saying, you know what? Our blind are fine blind, whatever. Leave them. I don't want anything to do with this. Something shifted. They became familiar with Jesus. They thought, you know what? He's just a guy that I know. And they took him in their hearts out of the seat of honor. And they said, no, we're going to make him commonplace to us. You know, verse 4 said, Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his household. It's exactly what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, these people have taken me and they've made me common. The Greek word translated without honor is atimos, which means ordinary, common, basic. What Jesus is saying here is, I have become common. The only place a prophet is common is in his hometown where people know him and they're not willing to submit to him or honor him as Lord in their life. Contrast this with what the Bible says honor is, which is the word kabod, which means to attach a great weight, to make it heavy or glorious. Sometimes this word is also translated as fear for the Lord, right? So what we're saying here is that there is a great weight that we attach to what we honor. We take it like it's really serious. It's a big deal to honor someone. It's a big deal that God is Lord in your life. It is a big deal that your relationship with your spouse is treated with care and attended to. It's a big deal how you handle your relationship with your children and your responsibilities to them. It's a big deal that you were given the parents you were given, even if you're like me and you're from a home that's less than perfect. And aren't we all, one way or another? You attach a lot of weight to it. You say, look, this means something to me. I carry it around carefully because I know that it's not just meant to be tossed around. It's not something that's just meant to be casual. It's not meant to be common. It's something that I'm supposed to honor. I'm supposed to treat it with great weight. That's the shift that we've undergone in our home is our culture started to deem that what God said was worthy of honor was not. But you know what? That's not true. What's true is that your relationships at home are worthy of great honor. Your relationships with your family are worthy of great honor. We're going to talk about some principles of honor here to help you understand how you can apply it to your life so that you can help 
win at home because that's what we want to do. We want to win at home, but to do that, you have to understand how to honor the people around you. And it has to come from you first. We'll talk about that in a second, but you cannot just sit around expecting other people to do their part first, do your part first. Three principles of honor. The first is that honor is given freely. Honor is not something that can be coaxed out of you. It's not something that your boss can force you to give. They can force you to give obedience. Now, let me tell you, as someone who has obeyed in a disgruntled and uh, dishonoring manner, it is possible to obey and not to honor, right? And I'm not bragging on that. That's me, that's me saying I have done the wrong thing, but you can force someone to obey and not actually have their honor. There is nobody aside from you that can give honor from yourself. They can't force it out of you. It can be coaxed out of you a little bit, but you are the one who has to freely give it, right? Let's watch and see what the spirit of dishonor does uh, with Jesus in Mark 6, 5, and 6. It says, Now he could do no mighty works there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Now, look, it doesn't say Jesus wouldn't. It says that he couldn't, right? He couldn't do any miracles there. Why? Because their lack of faith. So what's the principle here? There was a lack of honor there. They didn't honor Jesus as Lord in their hearts. Apply to yourself. What area of your life have you left Jesus out of? What area of my life today do I have not submitted to him? In what area do I have something else sitting on the highest throne as an idol, replacing Jesus, honoring it instead of him? Instead of God the Father sitting there in my life, what do I have? That is the area where God's not working in your life. That's what this is saying. It's saying that Jesus came into a place and he was unable to perform miracles on them, not because he did not have the power, but because they were unwilling to receive them. Because they did not honor him. But what about the towns where Jesus was honored? They experienced blessing and healing and they enjoyed his presence. He sat among them. Their lame walked, their blind could see. When you allow Christ to enter into your life, when you allow him the highest throne in your life, in every area, that is where you experience healing and blessing. It's not just an emotionalism either. That's not just a, oh Jesus, I love you. Now I don't love you enough to live like you've asked me to live, but I do love you enough to. I'm really doing it, God. I mean, I'm not treating my parents with honor, and I'm, I guess I'm not even like spending much time with you, but on Sunday morning, man, I can, woo, hallelujah, praise the Lord for this one hour on Sunday morning, and then praise me, because I'm great all the other days of the week, but God's great on Sunday. If that's your attitude, that's an exaggeration, but we all are prone to it, actually. We're all prone to leaving God out of the day-to-day. We're all prone to saying, okay, God, 
That was great. I'll think about that for the next half hour, and then I'll think, man, I'm hungry. I wish Chick-fil-A was open today. Bummer. And then you'll move on from it. We won't keep it in our life. In fact, if you look at the last part of verse 6, we see something scary where it says, and then he went on. Jesus moved on. He, he went to the people that were going to receive him. Don't allow Jesus to move on from your life because of your stubbornness. Now, this is not to negate what Jesus says, which is that he will go and find the lost sheep. That's not what this is saying. What this is saying is that when you don't submit to Christ in your life, he's going to go work somewhere else, right? You have to submit to him. You have to follow him. You have to obey him. You have to give him that honor or you will lose his presence in that area of your life or your whole life. That goes for your relationships at home. Honor God in them. Second point is that we attract what we honor. Do you want the best out of people or do you want the worst? I'll tell you how you get the worst out of your spouse. I'll tell you right now. Honey, I need you to do this and I need you to do that and I need you to do it right now. I'm your husband. Respect me. Yeah, good luck, husbands. Good luck, really. And, and spouses, wives, you just, I don't feel like you're doing that much. And I just, I don't know. Maybe if you did more, then I would love you better. Oof. But we are all prone to do it. Because what that, that is, that's a spirit in us that says, they should do their part and then I'll do mine. But them first, not me, them first. That is the exact opposite of how the Bible calls us to live. You improve your relationships by saying, hey, look, honey, I am so grateful that you take such a good care of our boys every day, of our children. That means a lot to me. I want to love you in a way that you feel loved. Can I do the dishes for you tonight? Try that for a month, men. <laughs> Try it. Come back, tell me what's different. I promise you offer honor to them first because of the position that they are in your life and you stop this internal attitude of, oh, it's just, they drive me. If they would just do their part, you do your part. Because you know what? I don't know their part, but I know at home that there's at least one sinner involved in my marriage and it's me. So, you know, I don't know the internal workings of my wife, but I know that in any situation, there's at least one dummy. She might tell you that too. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> honor their position, even if it's hard to honor that person. The third thing is that we must honor authority. We're called to give honor over and over and over through the Bible. Now, this does not mean, we're going to talk about this. This does not mean that you honor every institution, every structure that claims to have authority because there is a hierarchy to how we are to give honor. There is God, and then everybody else. And I'll just tell you right off the bat, we're going to get into each of them in a second, but if any institution is telling you to honor it over God and his ways, honor God first, okay? So when an institution comes in, and the state, the media, and they come in and they say, look, just bend the knee just a little bit, all right? This is the principle, by the way, and the story of 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? That's, that's this, where it's like, there's this huge idol, just bow down just a little bit. Just, it's just one time, guys. It's just one time and we won't throw you in a fiery furnace and burn you to death, all right? Hey, it's just calling that man a woman publicly and just playing along. You know, it's, it doesn't really hurt you. Again, y'all thought Pastor Stephen was gone. You're going to get it easy. We don't play along with those institutions because that is not what God has called us to do. God has a different way. There's a hierarchy there. The first person in the hierarchy is God. We must honor God first. It cannot just be with our lips. Matthew 15, 8 says, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. God calls us to a whole heart devotion. That means every part of you. And this is not just emotional. It's not just lip service. It's every day, who is Lord of your life? And that looks like practical steps. Like, who's the first person you spend your time with in the morning? I would encourage you to be God and then your spouse. God and then your spouse, that's the order. Get up in the morning and just say, look, Jesus, it's all for you today. That practice will make a massive difference in your life. You must honor God first with your actions. You must think as you are about to act, what would God say about this? And then you must get so good at acting in accordance with his ways that it becomes second nature. That is how you change your nature. But it is intentional at first. It is not easy. Our nature is to be sinful, okay? You must bring it under control to honor God as first. Psalm twenty-two, twenty-three says, you who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him, revere him, all you descendants of Israel. What does this mean? It means don't treat God as common. We're in a culture where God's been here for a couple hundred years. Our, our country actually was founded upon God and his principles. Anybody who tells you that's not true, they're wrong. It was. Those are the foundations of our nation to the point where we have a cultural Christianity that has honestly become just a nicety, right? But people are familiar with the name of Jesus. And so that they think there's no power in the name of Jesus. They think that because they've heard it a lot and they've been around other Christians and they've, they've seen this Jesus fellow building tables with his dad, he can't really be that important. He couldn't really be the son of God. But what the Bible says is revere him, honor him first. Do not treat God like he's your homeboy. Treat him like he's the Lord of your life. There's a couple other practical ways we do that. We do it through serving in the church. We do it through our giving when we choose to give away uh, this tangible thing because God has called us to do it. We submit that area of our life. We do it in how we treat our spouse at home, right? Do we treat them in the roles that God has called us to do? The ones that we've been talking about in this series. Do we treat our children that way? Do we train up our children? Do we honor God with how we are raising them up? The second authority we have to honor is our parents. The Bible's incredibly clear on this. And look, it is not easy. Exodus 20 verse 12 says, Honor your father and mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. We are called to honor our mothers and fathers. All right, look. I was 15 when my dad walked out, 14, 15, something like that. 
He said, I no longer believe in the faith. I was raised up until that point in a Christian home. My dad set us down just after Christmas, and he said, look, I'm not coming home from work today. Complete shock. Didn't see it coming, didn't know. Ever since then, it's been a very difficult relationship for me. I love my dad very much, I do. But there's brokenness there. Pastor Stephen is adopted after experiencing abandonment. Many people in this church understand the exact pain that you are experiencing. So when I sit here and I tell you we are called to honor our parents, it is not from a place of night. I'm not being naive. I understand that it can be hard, and it doesn't just mean you honor them in your, your children, your childhood years, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Honor them even if they have not fulfilled their part. What that looked like for me was I used to just be really willing to rip on my dad because I was so angry at him. How could you leave me? You raised me for 14 years and you told me every day that you loved me and then you walked out. How could you do that to me? And I was so mad. I wasn't even willing to admit that I was mad, I would, but I would talk to my friends and I was just so disrespectful to that man because I was so angry. How could you leave me? That was your job was to raise me and teach me. Now I needed to get help. I needed to talk to people about some of that. And I'm not saying you guys can't do the same. I think you should do the same. You should get help with your family relationships. But you know what? That was not every person I met on the streets business. It wasn't. And uh, loving my dad, choosing to tell him that I love him despite how I felt, that is honoring their position because they're still the person that God put in your life. And so you know what? You act in accordance with God and his ways, and there's way more complicated situations out there than the one I just share with you, and I understand that. Align how you treat them to how God would have you to treat them, right? And still understand that they're the person that God put there, even if you don't get it. You don't have to obey them anymore, <laughs> but you don't have to go around trashing them on TikTok either. <laughs> okay? That's what I'm trying to get at. We must honor our church leaders. You know, the Bible does give us specific authority and calling to the church. God says that the church is Christ's body, right? It says that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. 1 Timothy 5.17 says the elders who are good leaders are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. So what does this mean? It means attach a heavy weight to what the church is saying. Treat it as if it is valuable. You know, I think our church does a great job of that here. Honestly, I do. Everyone here is, for the most part, really, really wonderful to the, to the staff here. You guys are, uh, let me just honor you in saying, I think you guys do a great job in honoring us. Uh, you listen. When Pastor Stephen gets up here week after week, I see people 
raise their hands week after week, and people are grateful for that. We treat this church as if it's something that's meaningful. I think we do a good job here at Vintage of honoring the church. I really do. Um, My wife and I have been here for years, and I'm grateful that that's the atmosphere that we carry here. Because the, the word does call us to do that. And it, it calls us to treat the church like something special. The people around you as something special. And if we don't do that, then we subvert our purpose as a church. So thank you guys for being honestly really good about that. The last thing is that we must honor other authorities. So Romans 13 talks about honoring our, our governing authorities. Romans 13, 7 says, Pay your obligations to everyone, taxes to those who, owe, those who you owe taxes, tolls to who you owe tolls, respect to those you owe respect, and honor to those you owe honor. Now look, we talked about this a second ago. I think our government uh, is completely wicked in many regards. I think we have completely lost a fear of the Lord in so many of the things that we do. I am not telling you to go out and obey them blindly. I, I am not. I don't think you should do that. There's a great book, Francis Schaeffer, The Christian Manifesto. You can check it out. It talks all about that. It's pretty short. Not to say it's pretty light. It's pretty heavy, but it's pretty short. We as Christians are called to honor God first. So as we talk about honoring other authorities, remember that it falls in line with the hierarchy. You honor God, you honor your parents because they're the next ones God has ordained. You honor the church because it's the institution he has raised up and then you honor other authorities. You don't have to honor everyone that claims they have authority because if they're claiming to have authority over something and they're telling you to do something differently than God tells you to do it, they are liars because it is God's domain and we are all in his kingdom. Submit to God first Follow that hierarchy in showing honor. That is what God says. And remember, these are all principles. The Bible lays out examples to give us principles for how to live our life. Apply them to your life. I cannot sit here and write out for every single person in this room, okay, you're having this problem? Okay, next step is this, 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 this. Do it on this day, this time. The point is that you can take this and you can take it home so you can go and you can win it home. Honor Lord Jesus as Lord in your life today. Come back in a month. Tell me what's different. And I promise it will be glorious. Let's pray, church. Lord, let's not be this morning just a people that is willing to pay you lip service. God, I pray that this congregation would be really willing to devote our whole hearts to you. God, may we honor you in what we do. May we honor you. May we honor those around us. May we honor our families at home to give our, our spouses and our children and our parents the honor because of the position that you've put them in. God, let us do our part first. Let us submit to you in all things, Father. May you be seated on the highest throne in our lives. You and no other. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Church, I want to invite us into another moment. This is something we do every service at every location. If you are someone in here this morning, and you're sitting there and going, I... Uh, I don't honor God. Let's remain in a posture of prayer with me this morning. Everyone, every head bow, eyes closed. I want to invite you. If that's you, if you're saying, look, Lord, I am far from you, but I don't want to be. I don't honor you as Lord in my life, but I want to. 
Jesus, I don't know you, but I want to. If that's you, we're going to pray a prayer with you in a second. But first, will you just raise your hand for me? If that's you, look, Jesus, I see you. I see you. I see you. You're never the only one. I see you. I see you. I see you. Father God, I am far from you. I don't want to be. If that's you, raise your hand with me this morning so we can pray with you in a second. I see you in the back. You're never the only one. I see you. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart you believe, resulting in righteousness and with the mouth one confesses, resulting in salvation. If that's you this morning and you're saying, look, that is me. You're never the only one. I see you. Church, I want to ask you to go ahead and, and pray this prayer with everyone that raised their hand this morning. Just come alongside our, our new brothers and sisters and praying this prayer. You just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, today I invite you as Lord of my life. Jesus, I want you. Come and be Lord of my heart. Lord, lead me and guide me and show me what is next. Today I submit to you my whole life. Lord, I love you. And it's in the name of Jesus. Amen. Church, give it up for those people.